Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Transformation podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing digital transformation and the challenges and opportunities it represents for companies today. I am delighted to welcome Mark Fontaine, Chief Executive and Founder of Indu, the Industrial Data Hub. Mark, welcome to the show. Hello, Susie. Thank you. Mark, having spent 25 years in Airbus in the aerospace industry and driving the digital transformation strategy, you then set up Indu, the Industrial Data Hub, which is about enabling mid-sized um, industrial companies to deliver data-driven value and essentially helping them to do two things. One, unlock the potential of data and two, uh, driving digital at scale. So no mean feat and they've both got their own inherent challenges. But before we discuss that, I would just like to start with digital transformation. It's become a massive buzzword and everybody has their own definition. So what is digital transformation for you? I think digital transformation, has, yeah, as you say, it's a buzzword. I'm not sure it's it's less, it's more a buzzword than three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's part of the problem because I think yeah. people take it for granted now. But digital transformation for me is the art, basically, of turning traditional companies into data-driven companies. And uh, data-driven companies probably beyond the border, the boundaries of the company mm. because this turns into also data-driven industries. So mm. everything which is related also to the change in uh, relations with suppliers, customers, employees, mm. business models, all that is part of a digital transformation. Yeah, so it's more like transformation in a digital world as opposed to yeah. digital transformation. Absolutely, like strategy in a digital world. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so why is data so important? Let's come to unlocking the potential of data. I think data is fundamental. We saw it uh, with COVID. Mm. I mean, nobody can take proper decisions or proper anticipation or or can craft any plan without a certain degree of data. Mm. Uh, At the same time, I think, thinking that we will have all the data for informing all decisions. We know it's also a complete illusion. However, there's lots of room for improvement between what we have today, what is in our systems, mm. and the way we use this data to take our, to inform our decision. So the first thing is accessing the data available in the company. So mm. famous saying, if only the company knew what the company knows, what the company knew. Or another way, how do you say it in English? If only the company knew what the company knows. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. I think this is fundamental because I think people totally underestimate the potential for improvements, which is laying at their door mm. in terms of taking data-driven decisions on a day-by-day basis. Second thing, which is fundamental, I believe, on data is that it pivots a company horizontally. What do you mean by that? Sorry. If most of the companies are organized vertically in silos. In like fact, that you mean? <laughs> the hierarchies. Data follows basically the processes mm. horizontally from the supply to the customer. And all this is informed by data uh, all along the processes. So if you really follow the data, you will connect naturally your end users with your suppliers. Mm. Connect naturally the employees along the process, across the silos, and they will follow uh, the data flow. And Mm. by the way, most of the tools that are used today for process mining 
are basically following the data flow in the systems. Yeah, the end-to-end. Yeah, the end-to-end chain. And this is showing to people, in fact, that the process is the beautiful process that they have on the wall is not (laughs) followed, uh, in fact, in the reality. Because if you look at the exchange between systems of data, Mm. you just realize there are bypass, walkarounds, or breakdowns in Mm. most of the processes. So I think data is probably the true one of the true indicator of um, business performance and business flow, basically. Mm. And it's all about creating that connection between the different data pools. But I'm understanding that the first thing is to understand what data you've got in your legacy systems, whatever those systems are. Yeah. So the way to do it, uh, we're starting to enter that uh, that question. I just go back one step Mm. uh, on data. Uh, Data is not only about, I think, uh, taking informed business decisions and being more customer-centric or Mm. aware or operationally better. Data is also an incredible uh, mover for change because in our complex organizations, basically, having data, being able to explain with data, Mm. being able to track actions, even soft actions, if you're thinking about diversity, Mm. uh, if you're thinking about engagement, loyalty, empowerment, all that is linked one way or the other to uh, facts, data. And it's the softer the problem, the more important, I think, the data element to it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can put uh, progress, you can track actions Mm. as part of this soft chapter, I would say. It's a true solution for empowerment. We're talking Mm. a lot of empowerment in organizations. But you can advocate for empowerment as long as people doing the job don't have the proper information to do their job Mm. Mm. or to suggest or to contribute. I mean, this is a totally vain world. And we've seen with data-deployed architecture how much employees at all levels of a company can contribute, do contribute, Mm. almost in a self-service mode, self-correcting mode, across silos without management intervention because they have the information to do their job, they know their job, and they know how to fix or anticipate the problems. So Mm. I think beyond what we can see at the systemic level, probably of companies, there is something very important almost at the operator, individual operator level. Mm. Because it makes it tangible for people, doesn't it? The softer side, like empowerment and engagement, and it's not tangible, but now we've got data insights into the behavioral aspect. Absolutely. Uh, behavioral aspect and business aspect. Mm. I can do my job because I know better what people be- before have done, what people after have done, what is the context in which I'm trying to mm. fix the problem so I can be more pertinent mm. resolving the problem mm. without having to escalate, without having to ask for the different department to contribute mm. because I know exactly where I stand and what mm. I can do, what I can't do. And I'm not just sitting idle because I don't have the information to do properly. Mm. And that's massively different though, is it? as we're talking, I'm thinking that's different on a managerial level, that's different on a business level, that's different on a skill set level. So what do you think is the biggest challenge there for organizations today? And is it different between smaller sized organizations and larger sized organizations, or is it the same? Our assumption with the team in Hindu was that we would see a different landscape in mid-sized companies. 
Mm-hmm. It's partly true, but we find, in fact, the same uh, difficulties or the same opportunities also, mm-hmm. a larger account. I think the, change, the, the challenges are always the same. First, people would agree that data is important, mm-hmm. but I don't think they take the data opportunity or challenge at the right level. Because if you really want to do what I just explained, which can change the way your company operates, mm. which can change the performance of your operation, which will change the way you deal with your suppliers and customers, mm. it is an executive responsibility. Mm. It's not a CIO-only responsibility. Okay. So I, I think most of the companies underestimate the fact that trying to be a data, data-driven organization will, recur, will require not only courage and efforts, mm. but also risks for the best, mm. <laughs> changing the company deeply. Mm. We mentioned uh, HR and mm. uh, um, empowerment and the relation between managers and operators. Mm. We are mentioning the relation between suppliers, procurement, customer, marketing, sales. This can be major changes, and we know that that can lead to new business opportunities and new business models. By definition, these new business models and opportunities will compete Mm. or substitute Mm. to the So there will be strong tension into the organizations between the ambassadors of the new and the the conservatives. Mm. I would say for good reasons, most of the time. It has been working. We need to deliver. Mm. And the only person or the only body which is able to arbitrate complex decisions mm. will be the executive committee of the CEO. So mm. what I see and where I think the focus needs to be improved, it's how much data to simplify digital transformation to data. Mm. Data is an agenda on the executive committee. And like you say, I'm hearing it's a collective executive um, effort to create the conditions for that decision-making to happen in a more de- decentralized fashion. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, And this is not, a, I, I've, I would say, this is not a play, happening at scale. I mean, mm. we had, most of the time what I see is that people declare, we want to be digitally mature or transformed. Mm. We want to be a data-driven company. And then uh, let's have the CIO deal with it. You know, and when you look at the CIO, uh, most of the time is totally it's totally at loss with it. Why? Mm. Because data governance is not naturally a CIO responsibility. For example, mm. Uh, mm. it there's a major part of business assessment mm. about mm. Uh, its sensitivity, who can access it, and so on. Most of the value comes from working again transversely. So not because you put in place a system, whatever the beauty of a system that you will have created business value. So you mm. need to work with quality, with manufacturing, with engineering. So can the CIO drive that from his CIO position? Can he move the needle into, mm. into the business? Uh, most of the time he can't. Mm. Not well, on his own. On, on his own. And the third problem he has is that most of the time he's incentivized keeping the light on, basically. Mm. And it's already a big challenge, not to mention cybersecurity. With his traditional vendors, he will be challenged on a cost basis, on reducing cost on on a yearly basis. Uh, How do you manage the increased spending that you need to kickstart a digital program? Mm. So 
there is no there are no real incentives in place. And again, it's an executive committee responsibility to mm. put in place incentives mm. uh, for the management to align on something which is inherently horizontal. Yeah. And to which means you've got to get two systems to work in parallel that are completely opposite. So one is business as usual, and, and the other one is sort of innovation, digital, different ways of working, but you've got to get them both to work together. Yeah. To, to f- frame it in another way, in large and small comparison, what we have seen is this great difficulty to perform and to transform at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a valid discussion to have, uh, I would say, for management consultants and mm. people who have time to think, or executive committees. How do I do first deliver on what my shareholders, customers, suppliers, and employees mm. expect? And in the times that we are facing, we know that we all have to adapt, to transform, to prepare. Mm. So how do I manage these two agendas? Mm. I think there's no easy answer there. It mm. uh, depends a lot about individuals at the executive committee or CEO level or the board level. But clearly, that's something which has to be on every mm. company's agenda. But for you, there isn't a sort of blueprint that would be like a business model canvas idea of that, you know, the strategy for doing that. I'm not sure there's a blueprint. The only blueprints I've been able to think about is having two teams, basically. Mm. Uh, doing that. I'm not sure this can be done in the same organization. So mm. I'm leaning more and more towards the fact that you need probably to optimize as you can the perform. Mm. And there, digital can play a role, of course. Mm. But if you really want to transform, you will probably have to build something new. Like um, a satellite structure, you mean? Probably mm. something like that. I've been involved in into transforming Airbus. It's mm. it's so much complex to innovate at the core yeah. and change the core. And mm. even though we manage some to do things, that you're wondering if the speed, even if you succeed, the speed at which your delivery, your delivering change mm. and and digital performance, let's say, is this speed compatible with your competitive speed? Mm. As long as you're talking about, I would say, equivalent companies, it's okay. Okay, if you're talking Airbus with Boeing, there's few chances that Boeing will be faster. Mm. And Airbus, they are face, they are, they are built from the same DNA. Mm. When you're facing, when Boeing is facing SpaceX, mm-hmm. and most traditional companies, I think, see innovation as an outpost. Okay, like you said, a satellite. Mm. Because we free a team from the constraint of a large super tanker, which has constraints again for good reasons. We are delivering serious products with serious customers. Mm. So we free a team, we put it outside, they invent new processes, they invent new partnerships. But most of the time, what we do about, and there is more about innovation again than digital, what we do is that when they have this, developed their prototype, we reinsource them mm. because, of course, they are doing something for the core business, and the core business is the super tanker. Mm. So we put them, ba- we put the speedboat back into the super tanker, and then we all know what happens. Yeah, it comes back into the normal processes, and it dies slowly out. So there is a real question about what you do with these satellites, 
with this uh, theory of innovating at the front, mm. uh, at the edge, basically, yeah. and more and more leaning towards thinking that you need to accept spin out. Mm. You need to accept for the next generation competition with your own core business. And yeah. by the way, why not? Mm. It's not because you have been doing good things in the 70s, 80s, or 90s mm. that you, you are prepared for 20, 20 2030. Absolutely so, and what's the downside of having two teams, even accepting competition because you're not sure? Mm. Okay, people will say there are no synergies, uh, but we know the debate about synergies. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> time. I would challenge uh, the real synergies of focusing all the energies in the same place rather than having selective competition mm. between high-performing team, maybe one of the old, one of the new, mm. and, and converge at some point with uh, some assessment of the performance. So, I mean, if we have like the satellite structure dedicated to transform and we also look at the perform, so that allows innovation to happen. But what about when you get to the proof of concept? Because the other part for me is you've got a great proof of concept that's been proofed quite quickly in an experimental way and it's necessary for the business and then you need to industrialize it or put it back into the larger core business. What happens then? So that's more, I think, a question for digital. Digital, everybody is going through MVPs or proof of concepts. Mm. So that's the first mistake I think you can do is to try to do a proof of concept factory. Okay. Which will, in most companies, if you look at the situation and the landscape, you will find tens, hundreds mm. of proof of concepts on every technology. Mm. The problem is none of them can really scale because first, people have been jumping into finding a tool to solve a problem. Mm. And most of the time, a tool solves a local problem. So this will, in fact, only increase digital breakdown because a tool in a specific silo for solving a specific problem will just create another data silo. Yeah. Uh, locks into a specific tool. Second, I think if you are engaging into this MVP proof of concept uh, generation, you have to put in place the proper foundations for scanning. Mm. This has to be done before or in parallel, at least, to doing proof of concept. Because first, when we all try to do these things, we have a limited life expectancy. Okay? <laughs> Uh, whoever, like <laughs> whoever in the company has to demonstrate mm. uh, value in maximum three years, okay? Mm. Even at a company digital transformation problem. Mm. So uh, the first thing is you have to be conscious of speed and people, you have to account for results, which means that you cannot iterate proof of concept for mm. forever. To, <laughs> forever. You have to demonstrate that your proof of concept or MVP is addressing a problem, but you have to be able immediately to scale. Otherwise, you will lose people, you will lose the momentum. So the fundament fundamentals you have to put in place almost at the same time as you're entering into MVPs is making sure that you have data governance in place. Most industrial companies don't have data governance in place. Mm. And it's complex, but it's complex for industrial companies especially. Mm. But is that the bridge for you, Mark, between the potential unlocking the potential of data and scaling, putting digital at scale? It's one bridge. 
Okay. I think it's something on which you will stumble mm. if you try to industrialize without having that break in place. Mm. The second one is probably to have a, a modern IT, an IT which is understanding what agile means, which can iterate on a very iterative model, which can support uh, new solutions. Mm. At the same time, it has to maintain the old ones. So mm. it entails having thought through with a CIO what is his roadmap, what are his, his resources, budgets, mm. priorities, incentives. Most of the time, this is not in place. Mm-hmm. I want to scale something for which the CIO is not uh, supporting, mm-hmm. okay? even if the business likes it. So you need to have a modern IT, or at least part of a modern IT, and recon- re- reconsidering the priorities there. Mm-hmm. And the third thing, of course, you need, uh, I, will, I will put it, okay, I, I forgot to mention cybersecurity in data governance. You need to have cybersecurity, mm-hmm. of course across the board, because the more you will be playing with data, the more you're exposing uh, data, uh, the more you need to be sure that cybersecurity somehow is uh, at a proper level, I would mm. say, across the system. Do you think the pandemic has accelerated the need for cybersecurity? Yeah, of course, because people are working remote more and more, and uh, for sure. And uh, But there, there, will, there will be no end to cybersecurity. Yeah. So. We know we have to engage into mm. building something that is sustainable over time to be at a certain level, mm. which is not perfect, but then react quickly. Mm. So first thing, data governance and cybersecurity, modern IT. And the third one, I believe, you have to have chosen tools. And I don't want to talk about tools and systems because data is more important. But mm. at some point, you need to have made, to have made technical solutions that allow you to scale. And it's it's quite difficult, in fact, to get the right choices mm. because everybody is claiming they can do it. They can do <laughs> data, they can do data lakes, they can do data tagging, they can do cybersecurity built-in. The reality is that few people can. Mm. If you start assembling solutions for industry or ramp up, it will not work either. Mm. So mm. digital transformation is technology business and change management. Mm-hmm. I like to stress more business outcomes and, te- and change management than technology because people often think that 90% of digital consumption is the technology. Mm. But where technology kicks in is when you want to scale up. Mm. So there you have to have made the right technological choices mm. to be able to ramp up. Mm. And if I come off the back of that, you make the right technological choices to ramp up to get business outcomes and then I take the change management or people part. You know, what happens around driving digital at scale on ramping up change management? What are your thoughts about that? I think it's, uh, to me, it's a non, uh, I would say, established fault. I'm still wondering about that. <laughs> no, because, I, again, I think it's one thing in Airbus that we had difficulties and in what we're doing today in Hindu. It's something which most of the time is the last thing we yeah. think about mm. because uh, first you want to crack a problem. So you're thinking business. Second, mm. you want you want to deploy a tool to solve a problem. Mm. And of course, third, you forget that uh, you need to retrain people. You need to buy in. You need to sustain. You need to take into account the way it changes uh, dynamics into the mm. and so on. Mm. 
the the problem I'm seeing is that the normal people you turn to change program, mm. HR, mm. most of the time they are not equipped to do that. Mm. Uh, why? Because they are themselves in the process of transforming. Yeah. And they most of the time not have adopted yet all the codes mm. and um, solutions for that. Uh, the digital team, not to mention the CIO, have very little change capabilities. Or if they are mandated to do so, they need to, to build them a mm. lot. Mm. But in the end, uh, it boils down again to, to the executive committee. Mm. If we're talking about change management, about digital transformation, it will be an executive committee and CEO responsibility. Because even if it's subcontracted, for example, to the HR mm. or to the CDO, uh, you need the power of the executive committee to be able to say, okay, I do change management at scale across functions, and I have authority, I have the authority to sit down with each head of silo mm. to say we work differently now. Mm. So yeah. again, for launching it and for sponsoring it, you need top-level support. For implementing and scaling up, you need top-level support. Mm. Absolutely. We're back to the CIO who can't do it on his or her own. It's the same, isn't it, in yeah. terms of... So when you get to proof of concepts, it's too late, almost, for me, in terms of people understanding what it's going to mean for them, what it's going to change, what it changes in their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So how can you anticipate that, and what do you think it changes for leadership? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> Just a small one, a small question. The small one, yeah. No, but I think the first thing is you have to share what we are just saying. Mm. I think managers who share what we believe, you and me, will take it seriously and will recognize the gaps in their organizations, will realize they cannot spend 2% of their time on a subject. Mm. And maybe that 25% would be a more reasonable amount of time for the executive committee. Mm. But they need to have an, an agenda item on the executive committee, mm. each executive committee, uh, with the teams and saying, where do you need support? Where, where's your problem? How do we track value without creating other costs at the same mm. time? When mm. do we converge? When we, do we decommission the old systems to free the cash for the new initiatives and so on? Mm. So I, I just think it's a question of awareness. Uh, and what I've seen working in some large corporations is that they have promoted or they had the luck because of successions to promote at operational positions people who had been digital entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I mean, internal entrepreneurs. Yes, but it so brings a different mindset. Supporting the digital mm-hmm. transformation, mm-hmm. either from the digital pool or from the operational pool or from the CIO pool. These people were put into not digital positions, into normal business positions. Mm. Mm. The head of manufacturing was, in fact, absolutely DNA programmed for digital transformation. Mm. And then it's exactly what you said at the beginning. It's, it's not digital transformation in a world. It's transformation in a digital world, which means mm. you're just doing it as part of your normal business. Mm. Mm. After that, uh, we should not underestimate the fact that people should be convinced, trained, and focused also on that dimension of uh, their agenda. Because you've still got the perform and transform discussion, haven't you? Because they've still got yes. to 
continuously improve daily operations and also massively change the way they do things. Yeah, but when probably you merge the two agendas in the job description of one operational guy, mm. he carries the performance transform probably better than two person, one doing perform and the other one doing transform, because mm. then you would always have some tension into implementation priorities. That's so quite it's, a probably, it's probably one, uh, one way to do it in mature mm. companies. Mm -hmm. I must say it's far, 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 far from what we see on the ground. Mm. Uh, so we are not there, yeah. but uh, it starts with that, I believe. And in terms of upskilling, how do you see the upskilling of transformation or strategy in a digital world, if you like? Because then it gets complex, doesn't it, when you put it back into operations? Yes and no. I think what is difficult for some companies today is to hire resources. Mm. Uh, specific resources on these on these domains. Why is it most of the time? Why is it difficult? It's difficult because the project is not clear, because the support is not clear, because the condition for success mm. are not obvious. Mm. It's not because you hire a good talent in data science that it will solve any of the problems. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah but mm. Most of the companies just mm. want it that way. Mm. Or you take a digital entrepreneur from Silicon Valley or elsewhere, and you tell him, uh, "Okay, you have a digital uh, XR. Now transform my business." The guy will will stay two two years and uh, eighteen months and leave mm. because the conditions for success are not shared at the executive committee. Mm. So hiring is difficult for these reasons: scare, scarcity, but also attractiveness of mm. most projects. But we have and we have demonstrated that at scale in many companies, uh, we have an incredible pool of resources and talents internally. Mm. Uh, young people, even older people who can, especially engineers, for example, mm. just to take one, can be trained pretty easily. They know what is the problem on the ground. Mm. If you provide them with a proper basic training, if you pro provide them with a proper data platforms in which they can see in a user-friendly manner, low-code, the data they need for doing their things, they will be also merging these two agendas of performing and transforming. Mm. And in data driven. So mm. I believe it's not as big a problem as we think. I believe it's more, again, the fact that we are serious about it and we give the people the right tools, upskilling, training, data platforms, incentives mm. to do it rather than just saying uh, we cannot do it because we don't have data scientists or, the, or data mm. analysts. Mm. I don't think this is the main problem. No, it's just hiding behind that problem because it's a little bit too difficult. <laughs> and how do you see digital transformation as a subject playing out over the next two years in organizations? Because it's been around, as you say, it's been a buzzword for three years, which, which you said was part of the problem, and I agree with you. What would it look like in 2025 in the way organizations deal with the subject, do you think? It's a several billion dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> so if you answer it, we'll be very rich. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I will keep the answer for myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, initially I thought that the case for digital transformation is so compelling mm. and we have demonstrated it. Many companies have demonstrated mm. it. It was not the case five years ago. Again, mm. uh, five years ago uh, for industry, it was very difficult to relate to what B2C was doing. Uh, how do you relate Uber, Amazon, uh, mm. 
Google to what Airbus or Mercedes are doing. I mean, extremely difficult. What's in for industry? I think now, five years later, we know. Mm. And if people don't know, they should worry because there are enough cases everywhere. Mm. And there is a strong appetite to benchmark from one company to the other. That's something I I see on that subject. Mm. People want to share. They want to share. They are all facing the same difficulties. So nobody can say, I'm not informed. I cannot find a solution. You can always reach to one of your peers, uh, somebody outside your industry, because they are facing exactly the same problems. And you can ask the simple question about how do you deal with uh, new IT versus old IT? Where do you get your budgets? What is the value tracking of a use case? Uh, Should I have a CDO or CDIO? What is the amount of time? Mm. And so on. Discuss the tools also. Is this tool better than that tool? So there is more maturity. I was thinking that this maturity would come with a general adoption of digital practices. Uh, what I'm seeing on the ground is that different dynamics for mm. the reasons we said. Mm. Since it's very much a management responsibility, mm. it's no surprise that given the priorities on agenda management, on management uh, agendas, there will be winner and losers. That's my current thing. Mm. I think there are companies who are moving. There are companies with burning platforms. Some who don't see the burning platform. Some companies will say, I take up the challenge. I put resources. Others will say, it will go away. Or it's, not, it's less important than performing and dealing mm. with the Ukrainian crisis. You have to do both. Mm. again. Mm. So rather than being an, a normal evolution for every company at the same speed, I think now we'll see more and more winner and losers. Mm-hmm. Fast companies and low companies and slow companies. And the slow companies will fall behind. Mm. That's what I really think now. It's becoming a competitive advantage. Yeah. And it, this is no big surprise because companies who can leverage their data, of course, become more performing, mm. but they are also becoming more transforming because everything you're doing today on a firefighting mode, you do it better. Your firefighting gets faster. Quicker. <laughs> You can free up resources to stabilize mm. the processes, to have less firefighting. You're starting a very virtuous circle on the mm. performance side. And on the transform side, in fact, because people will tell you, yes, I do that, but I'm sorry, now I have COVID. And now I'm sorry, I have Ukraine. And now mm. I'm sorry, I have mm. exit. And now, yeah, you will always have something in a world like ours, which mm. is interconnected and accelerated. So in fact, the second aspect of it is that you are becoming more resilient. Mm. It's not only that you're becoming more performant, you're becoming more adaptive. Because when you have a data available for some and organized in a way which is non-determinist, and this is a big difference mm. uh, mm. data-driven approaches rather than systems approach. You're not determinist. You don't mm. know yet what the data will be useful for. And guess what? It will be useful for something at some point. That's mm. something that nobody has expected. Brexit, you didn't expect, and you didn't code in your SAP what was coming from the UK in details, mm. and how you could simulate your tax impact. Mm. Same thing for COVID. Mm. Same thing on uh, your supply chain visibility. Mm. Same thing on Ukraine breakdown in the supply chain. And this is only the beginning. Mm. Of what we're so you're becoming more performant, 
And by transforming, you're becoming more resilient for things you cannot expect. So yeah. I, really, I really think that's what will happen with a big difference with the companies who embrace this contradiction and solve it. And companies who say, I will be just performing and I will do transform when it's mm. getting quieter. Mm. This will not happen. Mm. Okay, and time is running, but I do have one question, one last question. What would your final sort of call to action or recommendation be for leaders looking to create that adaptive environment? Get involved. I think the solution is pretty simple. In fact, get interested by the subject. Get trained, except to get trained, except to get trained by your teams. Mm. A subject that for long was either subcontracted, literally, Mm. at 80% in most mm. of the cases, or which was just a pain in the neck uh, because it was IT-related or system-related. And uh, we like to do uh, stuff which is more interesting because we are dealing with customers and products. Mm. So data is about customers and products and employees and performance. Uh, systems may be more of a piping of it, mm. and we should not reduce data to piping and try to demonstrate that. So get on top of it. Mm. Support your team, get on top of it. Benchmark, look outside, and uh, you will find a solution. And devote, it's easy to be eaten again mm. by performance agenda. Devote 25% of your time to the subject at the executive committee level. Yeah. And by the way, if you don't do that, it's, it will be a short time before your executive committee, your board, will ask you, what is your cloud strategy? What mm. is your strategy? How, how compliant are you in several compliance topics? Today, it's only about cybersecurity, okay? Mm. We tick in the box. It's mm. never resolved, but we have, a, we have documented it. Uh, we know the board is liable for it, so we are mm. serious about it. Data, not yet. Mm. Because data, nobody's liable yet completely as for cyber, but it will come. Mm. GDPR is mm. already there. Export control is already there. ESG is coming about what is your carbon footprint? What is mm. your energy consumption? Mm. And all these things will become compliant because the investors will push, mm. push it down through the boards to the executive. So whether you like it or not, you would have to do it. <laughs> it's not yet there. And mm. I think it should not be seen as a constraint. But the more we ignore this opportunity pool mm. of transformation, the more we will be caught by the compliance pool mm. of the compliance face of this problematic. Yeah, and and I think that mm. what I'm seeing uh, more and more in companies, they are not tapping the opportunity, but they're mm. creating like, major exposures mm. in this new environment. Okay. So essentially, get involved, get informed, and then get curious. So yeah. it is an opportunity and not an issue. Just like it. It's it's a fantastic journey. It's empowering. It's enriching. Mm. Uh, you will discover, in fact, that you don't know what your company is doing. <laughs> you will discover that your people know perfectly how to resolve problems by themselves most of the time. And uh, you will discover that managers' role will transform into supporting their teams mm. and being uh, truly leading as a supporter. And I think this is changing also very much the daily appreciation mm. of our jobs mm. because being anchored in the reality of what's happening 
in the measure, measurement of what's happening really almost in real time mm. in our operations. It's challenging, but it's also super, super interesting. And it's better than looking at KPIs, which are based on God, God knows, says, <laughs> knows what. And uh, we know it's the case in most of our industries. Mm. So, yes, we like it in our private lives, I think. Mm. And it's also a surprise, but also an opportunity because we are digitally transforming each other's at speed, mm. faster probably in private life than at the office. Mm. So we should embrace and we like it, uh, what we do in private life. I mm. mean, being able to track and to, to track more precisely our activity, to be able to solve problems by ourselves without our bank, without our mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> We do it ourselves. Uh, it's more do it yourself. And in fact, in companies, it's not so different yeah. if you provide people with the right context for doing that. So yeah, get involved, get interested. And, and then, get excited, I've understood. <laughs> and uh, don't think it's contradictory with your perform agenda. Mm. It will just feed your perform agenda. Mm. Excellent. Mark, thank you. Thank you for coming and sharing your insights and experience and your thoughts. Where can people find out more about you and Indu and what you do? On the website, I guess. Okay, Indu. which I will put in the show notes. Indu. for those AI. <laughs> okay, Indu.ai. Super. Thank you very much, Mark. You're very welcome, Susie. Thanks very much for what you're doing too. (laughs) Talking about transformation. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. Happy to see you again. We hope you enjoyed this episode and the insights it brought you. And it's bye from me for now and see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk Transformation. Transformation.